Hey there, church family, and welcome to another week of Cedar Mill Online. We're so excited that you've joined us for our teaching series through the book of 1 Corinthians. Today we're continuing a conversation that Dave started two weeks ago around the topic of marriage and singleness and the purpose of both. But today we're specifically talking about singleness. We're talking about the relationship status of singleness and what the scriptures have to say about it. So if you are single or engaged or dating, this message is for you. But contrary to uh, common belief, if you are married, this message is also for you. So don't tune out. Keep watching. It seems that in general, singles are viewed by themselves and by others as lacking something. In, In our culture, the longer the singleness remains, the more singles and marrieds view the situation through the lens of loss. Uh, this is a common story in, in reading and in hearing stories from singles. And what happens is your single friends get married. And those married friends set you up with their single friends as a rescue plan to graduate you out of singleness. And, and then as singleness persists, married people or even your parents start thinking something might be wrong with you. And singles start feeling like, man, something must be wrong with me, or God must have robbed me of something or forgotten about me and and has not yet bestowed the gift of marriage upon me yet. Singleness is seen far more as a problem to escape than a gift to receive and embrace. The college I went to consistently joked about getting a ring by spring, and they weren't too far off. That happened all the time. The the most encouraged and normalized way of doing things was to pair up, which puts a massive pressure on singles and actually works against the biblical view of singleness. Some of you might be thinking, is the person today talking about singleness single? My answer to that is no, I'm not single. But a, a short five years ago, I was single, and I did a lot of things really poorly in my singleness, and I did a lot of things well in my singleness, and I've learned from both. Um, but also, the ministry that I'm involved with in, in young adults and in high school ministry, the, the majority of the people consist of singles. So I hear stories, and I hear struggles, and I hear triumphs. Also, the passage that we're looking at today was written by Paul, who happens to be single, and he knows a thing or two about what it looks like to follow Jesus as a single person. So my hopes for today is that we take the scriptures very seriously, that, that we are good stewards of our time as we interact with the text in light of our culture and the topic of singleness. And I want to start like this. The scriptures have a very high view of marriage, which is a very common understanding in church culture. But the less popular conversation, which we're talking about today, is this. Scripture has a very high view of singleness. Our cultural moment, especially in Christian culture, seems to lack a robust and biblical understanding of the gift of singleness. If we're being honest, the gift of singleness often is viewed as like this white elephant gift that you're stuck with. You ever been in that situation and you're like hoping someone takes it from you? You're like, look, like trying to show it off. Take this from me. And the gut-wrenching question we are answering today is this. Why would a loving God give me the gift of singleness if I long for the alternative? So we're answering this question. Why singleness? Before we get into the text, I want to debunk two lies that singles may believe about marriage. Let me debunk these and then we'll jump into the text. We live in a world that normalizes the idea that a flourishing life is the result of sexual expression and experience. 
singles have to navigate a very difficult space of rejecting the modern-day status quo that says sexual freedom is true freedom. That's the first lie. The first lie is this. Marriage will make me more whole because I will experience sexual freedom. Jesus, however, is our life source. He, he is our source of freedom. Jesus is our source of life, not our sexual fulfillment. Did you know that Jesus lived a whole life? And did you know that he was single? Paul, did he live a whole life? Yes, he did. Was he single? Absolutely. Married people have a difficult, or a, a married people have a different uh, temptation and struggle in this area than single people. Believe it or not, married, being married to somebody doesn't quench every and all sexual urge or desire. If you are single, you may have come to believe this lie. There is a misconception that singles have to deny themselves sexually. And when you are married, that just magically disappears. When you're married, it's like a cheat code that eliminates all sexual temptation. It's like this, it reverses the fall. And it's like this free for all to satisfy your sex life in guiltless bliss and finally be whole. (laughs) But the reality is all Christ followers have to deny themselves sexually. Married or single, we have this selfish bent that we are called to make obedient to Christ. So in response to this lie, let me speak truth and say, marriage does not equate sexual freedom and wholeness. You are free and whole in Christ and in him alone. The second lie that singles have to fight is this. Singleness will cure my loneliness. The single person is tempted to believe that marriage will eliminate their experience of loneliness. But married people know, especially in this season, that marriage does not cure loneliness. Married people have to fight this temptation of putting unrealistic expectations on their spouse when it comes to loneliness. I like how Tim Keller puts it. He says this, I want someone who will fill every vacancy in me, awaken dormant gifts inside, and continuously enrapture me in otherworldly emotional bliss. This puts tremendous pressure on another human being. So, your deep ache for connectedness will not magically vanish once you're married. Like marriage plays a huge role in companionship for sure, but it does not mean that you will live in eternal bliss and peaceful company. These two lies, they lead us to something bigger. They are pointing us to a greater need. Let your longings point you to the source that can satisfy those great needs. Your sexual desires, your experience of loneliness, they are voids in our heart that only Christ can fulfill. We're going to kind of work backwards in this text today, but let's jump in the scriptures. 1 Corinthians 7 verse 35, Paul has made this case for singleness, and then he says this, I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. The purpose of singleness is twofold right here. To promote good order and to secure an undivided attention and devotion to the Lord. The reason God ordains singleness is to promote good order, or another way to say that is appropriate order. What does that even mean? We don't really say that. It's a well-informed response to a certain context, like a swimsuit at a wedding. It just, it wouldn't fit the context. It's inappropriate because of the context and the order. Appropriate is based on the context. So singleness is a gift that promotes a worldview and lifestyle that fits the environment that you are in. Those who are single are single because God wants to champion something within you. 
He wants to bolster a way of believing and a way of living that is appropriate to your environment and context. So the question is, what is your context? Well, Paul kind of answers that in verse 29 through 31. He says this, This is what I mean, brothers. The appointed time has grown very short. From now on, let those who have wives live as though they had none, and those who mourn as though they were not mourning, and those who rejoice as though they are not rejoicing, and those who buy as though they had no goods, and those who deal with the world as though they had no dealings with it. For the present form of this world is passing away. What is, what is he saying here? I was really confused by this at first, but he is not advocating ditching your spouse. What he is saying is singleness and dating and marriage, though they are important, they are not the main storyline of your life. If you add up all the texts in scripture that talk about romance or, or marriage or whatever, there, there, there is a lot that it has to say about it, but it's only a sliver in the grand narrative grand narrative of things. There is this whole other thing going on in this, the, the narrative of the scriptures. It's a, so much of a bigger story that we are living into. The day is coming when the world as, as we have known it will pass away. And we have to understand that the amount of time on the clock should affect the way that we live. The, the lives we live don't revolve around our relationship status. That is the point. Our lives now revolve around the kingdom in which Jesus is establishing here on earth. Paul is saying life is short, and when we look at our lives, we should be far more concerned with the state of our souls than the state of our relationship status. And there is this gift called singleness where God invites you to focus on what matters most, to concern yourself with the things of the Lord so that you can be set apart to the Lord in undistracted devotion. And your rebuttal to this might be, well, Nick, can I be devoted to the Lord in marriage? Like we can be that couple that like, you know, we sing together and like we serve together. We can be that couple, you know, that like they lift their hands in worship and like maybe even like hold hands in the air, you know, at the same time. Like, why do I have to be single? I I envision it. It could be awesome. And Paul says, this is why, to secure an undistracted devotion to God. The purpose of singleness is to secure an undistracted devotion to God. This reminds me of Augustine's favorite, like famous line. It goes like this, our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. I think of the woman at the well who is absolutely broken by this plethora of relationships that she had been in. And Jesus essentially says, what you are thirsting for is a very real thirst, but it won't be fulfilled until you come to me, until you come to Jesus. Well, I get that, Nick, but I'd serve the Lord if he just gave me a spouse. Like, I'd just be so much better if I had a spouse. Let's go back a few verses as Paul is building his case for singleness. In verses 32 through 34, he says this, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord, but the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife, and his interests are divided. The unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. Paul is saying, I am advocating singleness. I have a high view of singles because it gives you liberty and freedom from the anxieties and potential stresses that come from marriage. If you are married, I would suggest not saying amen right now. The, the married man is concerned about pleasing his wife. Now, some of you single people might be like, dude, please my wife. Dude, Nick, that's exactly the kind of business I want to be involved in. 
Let me just tell you, there are some things that please and serve your wife that are nothing close to what you enjoy doing. Like, it's, it's easy to say that at, at the start, right? There is a whole universe of horrible movies that you're not going to want to watch. There are outfits that you don't want to wear. There are chores that you don't want to do, some chores that you didn't even know existed. There are so many things that come with companionship that sound blissful in your single days. There's a whole other responsibility with a spouse. Like, if you were to come here on a Sunday and, and look around in the room that we're in right now, and, and you were to see people who are absolutely exhausted, possibly tearing up as they yawn, you know how that is, it's likely because they are married with kids, right? It's, it's a beautiful calling. It's a God-honoring thing, but it's for a different sermon. Again, we have a high view of marriage, but this sermon is about singleness. And I, I wish I would have heard this message in, in college, and this is the message that I wish I would have heard. Single people, the church needs you. The church needs you. You have so much to offer in your undistracted devotion to God. If you think about it, single people are flexible to go and to do what they're prompted to go and do. When married people are called to do something, they have to be called together, and there's compromises that need to be made. If I were called to spend the next few months in Mexico tomorrow, my wife might have some issues with that, and her sense of my calling on that might be different for her, right? If you are single, you aren't concerned about those types of things. You can pack a bag and serve the Lord. You, you can serve in any moment's notice. You can invest in people in a very unique way. Your availability for spiritual practices and service to the Lord are next level. And I'm not saying that married people have a free pass to slack, but I'm saying people who are single have an upper hand, and it's a beautiful gift. It's a blessing. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, when he was going to come against the Nazi regime led by Hitler. He recruited a group of people to go through seminary to train them up so that they would be prepared for, for what was ahead of them, what they were going to do next. Did you know that he strategically went after single people? He, he did this because he knew that married people would have way too much of a divided attention. He just knew that single people were more flexible and that they had an undivided devotion to the Lord. Singleness is not a curse to escape. It's a gift to pursue and enjoy. If you are single, my encouragement to you, it would be to serve in the church any opportunity that you get. Concern yourself with the things of God, not for the goal of meeting someone, but I will say, in my experience, when you concern yourself with the things of the Lord, you will bump into other singles who are also concerning themselves with the things of the Lord. The original dating app, for Christians, wasn't Christian Mingle. It was actually called doing ministry in your local church, right? But here, here's the point that I really want to make, though, is, is something that Jim Elliott said. This is absolutely money. He says this, let not your longing slay your appetite for living. Let not your longing slay your appetite for living. It's okay to long for marriage or for a, a relationship, but if you let all that longing drain all of your joy for the present single stage, it will suck your appetite of living right now, for glorifying God right now, for receiving the gift of singleness right now. There's a tendency in every stage of life to downplay your stage of life and uplift a stage of life that you're not in. This is where we get the grass is always greener metaphor. For some of you married people, you can clearly see the benefits of single life. And if you're single and burning with passion, you can clearly see the benefits of married life. We, we need to be people who receive the gift that we have now. 
We, we can, cannot let our longings today slay our appetite for living today. Don't miss the benefits of now because you're pining away at the benefits of a life that you don't have or a relationship status that is not yours. Singles, right now, you have freedom and you have time. Those are resources and gifts that are given to single people. And my encouragement to you would be for you to use that time and freedom for a purpose, not to fill it with distractions, but to devote it to the Lord for his purposes. That's what singleness is for. It's okay to long for a relationship, but if you let that longing steal your joy and you let it rob you of living, you will reject the gift of singleness itself. Let's look at verses 32b and 34b. It says this, the unmarried man, so the single person is is anxious. Oh, the unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord. The single person is anxious about the things of God, how to please the Lord. And the unmarried or the, un, or the betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. So that's what singleness is for, it, it, is to devote yourself to the Lord. So here's the million dollar question. If you're single, does this define your singleness? Does this define your singleness? The unmarried man and woman have a singular focus, and that isn't to graduate from the single life, but to simply please the Lord and to be holy in body and spirit. God has given you singleness to secure an undistracted devotion to the Lord, not to to fill it with everything you can to distract yourself, but to fill it with the Lord. Single folks, are you concerning yourself with those things? Let me submit that if you are disappointed in your singleness, it's likely because you have missed the point of singleness. And I can tell you that from experience. There were times I was really disappointed in my singleness and I was completely missing the point. But there was also times when singleness was the absolute best thing because I, I grasped the, per, the purpose of it for a moment. I've been there. The most content single people I've ever met is the person who knows the season and calling is a gift. And God wants to champion within you an undistracted devotion to the Lord. Renna Taylor, a missionary in Kenya, said this, Being single has meant I am free to take risks I might not take if I was a mother and a family was dependent on me. Trevor Douglas said this, The first advantage of being single is it's best adapted in perilous situations. In the rugged life among primitive tribes and gorilla-infested areas, disease and famine, the single man has only himself to worry about. You have opportunities afforded to you in singleness. If singleness is a gift from God to pursue an undistracted devotion to him, if that's what it is, how am I going to pursue that? How are you going to pursue that? I love how Ben Stewart says this. He says, the word devotion, devoted to the Lord, devotion in Greek is the combination of two different concepts. The word good or well and the phrase to be close beside. So it suggests both a passive element of sitting and listening to someone and an active element of tending to his or her desires. A great English word that captures this meaning is the word attentive. Think of a good waiter at a restaurant. He is attentive both to uh, he is attentive in both of these respects. He's attentive to your words, listening carefully as you speak, but he's also attending to your wishes, working hard to fulfill your desires. We are meant to be attentive to the Lord in the same way. Devotion is, expresses itself in attentiveness to his word and attending to his work. Study 
and service, the pursuit of intimacy with him and activity that pleases him. Intimacy with him and activity that pleases him. I love that. If you are married, I want to close like this. If you're married, my invitation is for you to encourage and bolster someone pursuing the Lord while being single. Praise God for the gift that they are in. Encourage, call out the best in them. If you are single and listening today, may you receive the the gift with joy, the gift of singleness with joy as you secure an undistracted devotion to the Lord. We love you, Cedar Mill. We can't wait to be with you next week. We hope you have a great Sunday.